You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Stuck again. It's stuck again? Yeah. Not not Skype, the U-Block thing. So it's uh, me, Tim Robertson, and uh, as you can hear, that's Owen Rubin over there. We're doing Tech Fan 257. Uh, David, unfortunately, is still dealing with the uh, uh, the family issue. Um, we hope it's resolved soon in a positive outcome. But uh, yeah, our thoughts are our thoughts are going your way. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought it would be fun to have Owen back again. I had a lot of fun talking with you last week. That was a blast. Yeah, I had a great time too. Maybe we won't run so long this time. No, definitely shorter <laughs> this time. It was a long episode. <laughs> well, everything. Every time I thought we were going to wrap something up, something else cool would kind of manifest <laughs> in the conversation. And we just kept going. <laughs> that always happens when you and I talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does seem to do that, even if it's not a podcast. Yeah, there's yeah. always something cool out there. I got to jump on uh, Facebook at some or on not Facebook, um, Amazon at some point and look for a new case for my iPad three. I think it's an iPad three. That's what I have. I'm trying to remember. How do you figure out which one it is? Does it say? You have to go into the that funny MC blah blah number, and then look that up on on Google. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah, I couldn't tell. What, it turns out one I I have two. One one was from work, and one was mine, and they look identical, and they respond identical. And one was a three, and one was a four. The three didn't last long, if you remember. That one came out and was like, it seemed like it was a few months later they immediately went to the four. In fact, Apple doesn't even list it as an iPad anymore. Really? Yeah. The three like Maybe this is a four. There. I'm trying to remember. We didn't, really didn't make that, you know. Can uh, you see this? Isn't the, there an about? That? Yeah, general, general and about, and it'll tell you um, the, the model number. Read me the model number. Uh, I gotta put my glasses on. MC seven oh seven LL slash A. Okay, so sixty four gigabit Wi Fi in black. Yeah. But now is it saying it's three or four? Third generation. All right, that's a third. That's what I thought it was. This is the one. It, it turns out if you type it in, it shows up on Amazon. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Amazon is everywhere now when you search for something. But yeah, Cole broke the case that I bought for it years ago. Um, it's it's a real thin case that kind of fits snugly on the back, and then it has a built-in cover. But it's really thin, so it doesn't add much bulk at all. I have that. I have one like that in black. I really like it. You know, he broke. It's two corners of it now, so that I yeah, those corners are plastic. They yeah. break off, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down one, so I probably have the same case you have. Mm-hmm. Does it have the, the case can kind of roll, partially roll up? No, no, on the side. No. I mean, it rolls to the side. Yeah, and, I, and you can fold it to make it like a little stand. I have almost the same one in the 32 gig, and uh, it's still selling for uh, refurbished for 294 and used from 197. Uh, who would buy? Who would spend that much money for an iPad three? They still work well, as but just don't put the light. What OS do you have on it? Oh, I don't update it anymore. Yeah, I think after around eight, it was not worth updating. I had the, that's what happened is my personal one. I updated to nine something, nine two, and it you know you press you press the the screen, and then like thirty seconds later, it does something. Right, it's that's so slow. Well, they fixed that in an upgrade to that, but still, it fixed a little bit, but still very slow. It says it wants to update to the latest and greatest, and there's no way I'm updating that. So, on that story, though, there is a for those of you who I just answered this question online somewhere. For those of you who have an iPhone that is at the latest, but you seem like the battery's running down faster, or it's just running slower. So, I had my iPhone 5s did that. It just the battery would be gone in a half a day. And I would, I'd kill all my apps, and it just drove me crazy. So I finally went into the Palo Alto store and talked to one of the genius guys there, and he said, "Oh well, so there's this little undocumented thing with iOS that if apps crash, they can leave processes running." Nice. I, did, I didn't know that. I didn't either. 
And powering it down and powering it up doesn't do doesn't fix it because the iOS was designed to shut all the processes down when you power down and then remember where it was when you power it back up. Uh, so they restart these these rogue processes. At least that's the way he explained it. So if there's someone out there who understands this better, you know, let us know. But so I said, well, how do I fix that? So he said, you have to restore it to factory, you know, back it up completely, restore it to factory new, and then re, then re, you know, restore it. You do a full back restore on it. So I was kind of skeptical on that, so I took it back to work and I did that, and it was like getting a new phone. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's. A clean install is kind of the the catch-all for almost every operating system. No, no, I put everything back on, all the same apps, everything. Yeah, but it's still a clean install at that point. Yeah. So, but he said what it does is it it, that's the only way to get rid of those rogue. And he he plugged it into some tool and said there was like dozens of these. Says you have like something crash a lot. I said yes. Facebook at that time was crashing like crazy. Oh yeah, never. Facebook is the one app that you don't put on anything. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a it's a horrible, bloated uh, app. It, it just it uses so much uh, processing, even when it's not running. Yep. It's it's a horrible app. But that's my tip of the week. Yeah. So it's like if you it takes a while. You have to set aside a couple hours, especially if you're on like a 64 gigabyte iPad, like you are. But the downside is you have to restore. Yeah, and some things don't come back exactly like they were before. So you'll be entering passwords again and stuff like that. And if you have a, an app that was using its own save system, you might lose it. You might lose some of the save system. Yeah, that's the warning. But uh, my battery lasted more than a day, and and the phone was really fast. And um, and I did that, that. So I said, "Oh, I'll do that on my iPad 3. Well, you can only do that if you update to the latest iOS. Of course. So. I tried that, and of course it was backwards because it went from like iOS 8.4, I think, which was working quite well on there, to iOS 9.2, or whatever the one was around that time. It just was slow. So that's the warning on the tip of the day. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, Apple and Windows makes it very difficult to go back in time with operating systems. Yep. In fact, one of the things that I put in the show notes to talk about this week is something that Microsoft is doing that's kind of deceptive. And this is a, uh, an article from Computer World, and I'll put a link in the show notes. This is episode 257, so uh, if you want to read this, just go to techfanpodcast.com and uh, look for show 257. You'll find the link to it. Um, basically... Uh, the, well, the, the article is called, No, Microsoft Hasn't Backtracked from Zealous Windows 10 Upgrade Tactics. So true. since Windows 10 came out, and it's only gotten worse from what I've seen, Microsoft is doing everything they possibly can to get people who are running Windows 7 and 8 to upgrade for free, remember, to Windows 10. And the dialogue boxes will pop up. And if you don't read them carefully, you're going to be in trouble because you might not want to upgrade. You might have critical software. That's not windows 10 compliant. I'm on a, I'm on a windows seven desktop machine, my server right now. I don't want it upgraded because I have things that may not work. Right. And I just saw that just before we started this, this show, I saw that dialogue pop up again. And you got to be careful because it used to be, if you just closed that window, Microsoft understood, Windows understood that that means you don't want it. Now they're changing the behavior of closing that upgrade window. If you close it, it's scheduling the upgrade. (laughs) So when they come out and say, hey, look, the adoption rate's been fantastic. Yeah, because you're treating your operating system upgrade like freaking malware at this point. I, I don't think that's cool at all. I don't think so. Either. And I think Windows 10 is a good operating system. I really do. My wife uses it in the kitchen on that little mini PC that I talked about. Um, I have it on... No, no, actually. No, I'm not running Windows... Well, yeah, I am running it on my Mac when I want to. But my two Windows-based game systems, uh, the one for my big arcade and the one for my little mini arcade, are both running Windows 8.1. Because the software that I'm using on those are not, and I know for a fact, are not compatible with Windows 10. Yeah. 
so I don't want to upgrade. And the only thing I found out on both of these machines to stop those dialogues from constantly bothering me, and it will it will pop that up right in front of whatever you're doing, right in front of my arcade front end, this dialogue box will Ugh. pop up, um, is to turn off Wi-Fi so that it's not connected to the Internet at all. And neither one of these need to be connected to the internet because they're That's just still. it's a it's old games being emulated. I I don't need it. I don't need internet connection on either one of these. But still, I, I don't like that kind of practice at all. I think it's dishonest. And you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to turn off Wi-Fi. I mean, so the closest I can remember this is when I used to work at this security company. We would do our work all day, and we had these. Uh, ser- Windows servers that ran and and systems that ran and we would do full complete builds overnight and you know from scratch the whole system took probably at, this is in 2007 it took all night and we'd come in in the morning sometimes and our machines would be sitting in the login screen and you'd log in and it's been rebooted we had automatic updates turned off but Microsoft would decide, well, this is a really important one, so we're going to ignore your setting and install it anyway. So we couldn't turn the network off because that thing, you know, was downloading from the repositories all the time. Right. So I actually had to go into the firewall and block connections the- to Microsoft. Right. Which was just annoying, you know, because then when you really did want to update something, you had to go turn the firewall off. and It was just... Dumb, but it was that was Microsoft saying, and I we called them and said, "Look, you just cost us a whole day's work because you decided this was more important than our setting." And they go, "Well, you know, it's a security release, and we have the right to do that." No, I don't think you do. Well, look, Apple is a little bit guilty of this as well. Uh, when I was looking at the iPad for Cole just a minute ago, before we started this, <laughs> oh no, actually, when when I was looking to see what model number it is, my fault. All right. When I turned it on. He woke it up from sleep. It said, hey, there's an update available. And there's three yeah. options. Yes, you know, to upgrade. Later, and more info. <laughs> Not no. Not no. <laughs> and the only way to get rid of it so it doesn't pop up immediately again is to click later or more info, which launches the software update app. That's so annoying. Why can't there be a dialogue that says, don't ask again? Because, look, if it's a critical update, they could still push something out and say, hey, we know this is off, but this is really important. Your your iPad, your iPhone, your Windows, your Mac is really in danger. This is a big security thing. We really we needed to get your attention. You really should upgrade just this component. Okay, that's fine, because that's not very often. However, so few choices just seems very, I don't like it. I just don't like it. it. Uh, Abort, retry, cancel. I mean, (laughs) right. (laughs) I always go, I always harken back to those dialogues in the old windows. Okay. Abort, retry, cancel. I never did understand what the difference. Somebody tell me out there, what's the, what's the difference between abort and cancel? Mm, I'm, I'm, there must have been a difference. They put a button for him. But yeah, I don't know what the difference would be uh, when it comes to an upgrade. I guess one would fail. But yeah, I see the Microsoft update on this Windows 7 machine all the time. Mm-hmm. And it po- it's new. It changed recently. Yeah, because now yeah. if you just close that box without making a choice, it's going to schedule an upgrade. Wow. So the default, the default is okay or do it. Yeah. And they made that button a whole lot bigger. <laughs> So now it has this little button that says click here to reschedule or cancel. Well, you know, they know that it, it happens, and I see this on Apple sometimes, too, that people, they don't read dialog boxes. They just hit the enter button to make them go away. It, that's a bad habit to get into lately because it's amazing what pops up in some of those dialogues. Like, would you like us to install this great thing in your browser? You know, no, I don't. But if you just look at install as the default. I see this with a lot of free software too. If you download a free some some piece of free software that you trust, often if you just say fast install, they'll install a new toolbar in your browser or they'll change your search engine. 
always have to hit the custom button and see what they're going to do. Because um, what was, there was some piece of software that I, it was from a company that I trusted greatly. And they, I installed it and all of a sudden I'm, I'm at some, I have a new browser toolbar on my, on my Chrome and, and my search has been defaulted to some unknown search. And it was a, it was a well-known piece of software. They just, I guess they decided they needed to pay for it now. So yeah, don't, don't just hit, uh. Don't just hit the button without looking. <laughs> it says, uh, um, accounts claiming that Microsoft has only now introduced a new warning dialog are incorrect. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, let me see. It says, uh, the secondary notice has been part of Microsoft's campaign at least since the first week of May. Before, word spread about the company's unusual interpretation of a click on the red X in the upper right corner of a notification that is that a pre-scheduled window upgrade to Windows 10 was imminent. Ugh. This is the part that bugs me. The free Windows 10 upgrade offer will expire July 29th. Okay, if you really want everybody on Windows 10, why would it ever expire? It shouldn't. It, Windows 10 upgrade should just be free. I mean, it's it's been successful for those who want to upgrade. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Apple stopped charging for OS 10 upgrades a long, long time ago. I often wonder if they come out with a brand new super update at some point, whether they'll go back to the $99 charge. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but... Because they're more interested in adoption rates and the functionality that the upgrade is bringing. Thus, they can sell you new things, new cloud services, new Final Cut Pro X, more, I mean... That's their business. It's not selling upgrades to your computer anymore. Yeah, that's true. I know. I, I want to download it so I have it ready on this machine just in case I need it, but I don't want to install it, and they don't give you that option either. No, they don't, unfortunately. It's. I, I just don't like these practices. I think that companies that do this, they're not doing it in the benefit of the customer, and I don't think Apple is exempt from criticism here, but I do think that they're a little bit more honest in their dialogue than Microsoft is being. I mean, look, it's been accepted behavior for years and years and years on Windows. If you click that red X button in the upper right-hand corner, it, it, that means, no, I don't want this. Go away. Well, it even says that Microsoft's interpretation of clicking the X runs counter to its own design rules. Yeah, it absolutely. Well, this dot. Wait a minute. Duh. Wait, 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 wait. Microsoft has design rules? They do. When actually. the hell did that happen? <laughs> Let's click the link and see what it says about design rules. Uh, they do have design rules. I know. That, uh, uh, break, Microsoft breaks own design rules in dupe the user Windows 10 upgrade tactic. I'll give you another link to to um, to post on the uh, on the notes. Um, that's basically talking about a, a different uh, computer world article on talking about the same thing. Yeah, this never is their first the close one. Button the same, never give the close button the same as effect is okay, Microsoft tells third-party developers, but it did just that. Yep. And I yeah, do think, to you know, to be honest, I do think Windows 10 is a much better operating system than Windows 7 or 8. It really is. That's not the question. The question is, or the issue, I should say, the issue is it's not <coughs> compatible with everything that I'm currently using. Thus, I do not want to upgrade those particular machines. And for them to try to almost force it down my throat, I don't like that. That just it just ticks me off more than anything. Yeah, it's it it shouldn't have to be deceptive to get people to take their upgrade. Either they want it or they don't, let people decide. They, you know what they're going to do, I'm, I'm guessing on July 29th, is just say, sorry, we're not supporting those other operating systems anymore, which they did for XP already. Well, which yeah, but they, a lot of people. It, that took them like 15 years to stop supporting XP. I know. Well, well they said they were going to do 20. it, and then turned out the military was using it uh, for a lot of stuff. And it was also used, strangely, in a lot of the... If you, I don't know if you've ever been into a grocery store that has self-checkout and seen one of the check self-checkout things crash. Yeah, it's Windows XP. It a lot of back, hospitals still use it, too. comes back in Windows XP. I, it made me laugh the other day. It was like I saw the dialogue pop, this dialogue pop up about memory, well, memory, as I'm scanning my groceries. <laughs> 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 and 
And I said, I think this is going to die. And it did. Right in the middle of scanning my groceries, I crashed. Blue screen of death, and I was like, "Oh well, I guess we're on a Windows PC here." Well, uh, I guess groceries came, are free. <laughs> <laughs> it came back pretty fast, but then I had to take everything off the off the one side and put it back on the other and scan it all over again. But that's a uh, enormous pain. It made me laugh, and I've seen that happen on our our Bart train system here. the The uh, ticket machines are running on Windows, and I've put money in and had it crash. That's then you have good. to convince the guy. Well, I put seven bucks in there to buy a ticket, and then it crashed. You know? Oh, sure you did. And it's like they could find out. All they have to do is audit the machine, but they're not going to do that while you're standing there. Yeah. So, so I, I had a friend, Al Alcorn, who who um, was the, the the I think VP of engineering engineering lead in a a company that made slot machines, and they were the first slot machine to have a hard drive in it. It turns out that was illegal. That was at Bailey, right? Or uh, Williams? No, it was called. Um, Oh, God, the name's going to slip my mind. It'll have to come back to me. But they made these gorgeous 16-by-9 uh, monitor uh, computerized pinball, uh, pinballs, computerized slot machines. Um, and I won't go into the whole story of why it didn't survive, why it didn't survive the long term. But they were amazing, and they showed up all over the place. And they worked on this most amazing, reliable software. You could be in the middle of putting your money in and have somebody unplug the machine and then plug it back in, and it will continue right after it reboots, right where it left off. Hmm. If it crashes, it comes right back to where it left off. Uh, although I never think I saw one of their machines crash. They had really, you know, they had a nonstop operating system, and they just it was a beautiful design. And you look at that and go, see, it can be done. Yep. Engineering can be done. Uh, so silicon s- Gaming. It's called Silicon Gaming. Okay. Al Alcorn, for those who don't know, uh, designed Pong. Yeah. I'm sorry, I guess I should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of games, this was uh, kind of all over the tech press this week from a Recode um, Vox Media interview that Elon Musk did, who says uh, we could all be living in a video game right now. <laughs> that <clears throat> That our existence is actually... Uh, it could be anyways. He's not saying it is, but his reactions on stage, because I actually watched the interview, leads me to believe that he he actually does believe this. Uh, that we're living in a simulation. Uh, it says, uh, the strongest argument the for us... Well, yes and no. Uh, that uh, it's our descendants who have super powerful computers are running multiple simulations of their ancestors. And because <laughs> these programs and these computers are so vastly powerful than we can even possibly imagine, we're a simulation that thinks that we're, we have consciousness, that we are alive, when in <laughs> fact we're not. And he says the strongest argument for us being in a simulation is the following. 40 years ago, we had Pong which there's our Alcorn link. Two rectangles and a box. Now, 40 years later, we have photorealistic 3D with millions playing simultaneously. If you assume any rate of improvement at all, then the games will become indistinguishable from reality, even if that rate of advancement drops by 1,000 from what it is now. It's a given that we're clearly on a trajectory that we're going to have games that are indistingu- indistinguishable from reality. It would seem to follow that the odds that we're living in a base reality is one in one in millions. Hmm. Uh, base reality being we're not in a simulation. We're all names of ourselves. Well, we don't exist. We're just we're we're simulated. We're just programs that are running on a supercomputer that is so powerful that each simulated person really does believe we're that person. There is no, wasn't that the story of the matrix? They were, they were, Oh, I guess they were real, but they were, they were, they were plugged in. in. Yeah. Right. They were living in a virtual world as humans, whereas we are, there is no humans. The humans are the ones running. There are, you know, millions of years descendants from now that are running all of this as kind of entertainment. 
they watch it. Well, that explains every time I jump, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) I guess the question really would be then, could a a simulated person contemplate its own existence in the way that we do as humans? You would think that there would be some kind of a fail-safe in the system that it wouldn't allow that because you wouldn't want the simulations to become self-aware that they're in a simulation. Well, that's, isn't that the old, that's the uh, Star Trek's, um, holo, what do they call it, the holodeck? Yeah. That was always their, that was always their theory that, you know, they, they had safeguards. And then how many episodes were based on the fact that the simulation characters came to life? Or they figured out that they are simulations. Right. Yeah. There was, yeah, the, the Moriarty, wasn't it Moriarty character or something? Uh, wanted to, yeah. Wanted to get out of the holodeck. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting, uh. I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't think there's any... I can understand the argument that we are in a simulation, but I don't believe it. Yeah, I'm not buying it either. Of course, maybe he said that because that explains why one of his Tesla cars ran into the back of a truck the other day. (laughs) There's a glitch in the Matrix. (laughs) A glitch in the Matrix. (laughs) I guess the guy... It turned out to be a driver error, but somehow the driver put it into self-park mode or something while I was driving and it just ran into the back of a of a flatbed truck. Huh, that's crazy. Oops. oops. Yeah, definitely an oops. <laughs> so there was... I, this, that is in my mind because someone posted a link which I... of a guy asleep at inside a Tesla driving itself down the freeway. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, you know, it's bound to happen. It's, you knew this, you knew it's coming, right? Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, that's just as stupid as texting and driving. And, and I was corrected that it's te- texting and driving, you know, has caused many deaths and sleeping in a Tesla has caused zero to date. Um, so yeah, okay. It, even though the data doesn't really correlate, get, get it. All right. But it, it's, to me, it's still just as stupid, you know, it's like, yes, the car can run itself on the freeway, but it, there are times it requires you to take over. And if you're asleep, by the time you wake up from needing to take over, the car could do something bad. Oh, it'll be over by then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like running into the back of a flatbed truck or something. But I, I just saw a prank video on YouTube uh, with a Tesla. A guy made a uh, fake back to a chair that he's <laughs> he's behind it, so it looks like there's no one in the car. Yeah, that the night the night driver uh, method. Yeah, and so he's driving down the highway in his Tesla. And you look in it, and you don't see him. You don't see anything. It looks like it's driving itself. <laughs> and people are just going crazy when they pull up. They're like, oh, my God, look, there's no one in the car. If, it, if, if for those of you who don't know, Knight Rider, Knight Rider, sorry, Knight Rider was uh, this TV show about a very smart car that, that had conscious and can talk. And if you watch the sh- watch, ever watch the show, and, you, and there was actually a remake of it not too long ago. Oh, I forgot uh, about the a, remake. Using a Mustang. The first car was a, a, a General Motors car. A, I can't remember what, what what it was. Not a Corvette, but uh, not a Camaro, but one of the Pontiac versions. Um, they you would see it drive itself all the time, and you're like, well, how do they do that? Well, it turns out they had a seat made that instead of the hole where the headrest would be that you see through, that would be black material, and the guy who was driving was actually inside the seat. Yeah, that's what this was. Car. But that, so, that's what this guy did. This, yeah. So it looks like it, the seat's a little bigger if you look closely, but the car would look like it's driving itself. Uh, so that's the trick this guy did. Could, you can do that in any car, I guess. You know, you should do, take your like your Mustang and do it again. And even if you can put that little red thing in the front that sweeps back and forth. I thought that was the coolest thing. That is funny. When I was a kid, I remember seeing that. I mean, it was kind of like a Cylon, but it was a car, you know? Yeah. I thought that was just, just so cool. I love Knight Rider. I love the idea of my car would talk to me. But, you know, we're getting close to that, I guess. We're, we're pretty much there, really. <laughs> and self-driving, I... So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what man can make a difference. <laughs> well, I wish you could see this little electronic gadget sitting on my shelf. It's a red LED scanning back and forth. Yeah, I've seen those before. Those are cool. Yeah. Um, but so Uber has announced 
as has Lyft, that they are building their own self-driving cars. Uh, I can't, and one of them just announced the other day, they, they have more, and I saw a guy posted it from Google, that they have more sensors on their cars than Google has on their self-driving cars. Um, so they're even more, and they're, they're going to test it in some city uh, pretty soon where you can you can call an Uber or a Lyft. And I remember, I have to go search, do a Google search on this, uh, and that the car will come by itself and take you where you want to go. Hmm. So you can beta test a self-driving car. I don't think I like that idea. I used to when I used to work in Mountain View, which is near Google. They were, I used to see them all the time. They would drive these Lexus R six hundred, I think you know the SUV version of the right. Lexus, with this big spinning light lidar at the top of the car, um, and all these sensors on it. And we, so we used to screw with them. I'm going to admit that out loud now that we used to screw with them. So if you'd see them walking down the street, you would step off the curb. Yeah. And these things are like they hit their brakes because you know they were they they don't want to hit someone. Uh, or if I was the first car at a traffic light and they were coming across the intersection, I would just roll forward a foot. <laughs> <laughs> the well, guys that would be sitting there, you know, they have they, they have usually have three at least three people: one in the front seat, one in the driver's seat, and one in the back. And one guy's always on a computer checking things out. And they would just get so pissed off because the car would almost nosedive to try to stop. And, uh, and I wasn't the only one who did that. It was a group of us that thought we were beta testing the, the self You kind of were. Uh, and I never liked being behind them because, you know, if that that's a big, powerful laser spinning up there. Like, hoping that motor doesn't break and it stops, you know, pointing at me because it probably, I don't know how dangerous that would be. Someone tell me. Would it be dangerous if that laser, that spinning laser stopped? Probably not. I mean, I, I can't imagine that it, the, it's an active laser with that much power. Well, I mean, I do know that on a destroyer, they could aim a, a radar at a an egg and hard boil it in like 10 seconds. No, no, I, I don't expect it. I just worried, you know, is there any, do I have to worry about that laser? I guess, I can't, I suspect you don't have to. I guess if it was, you know, continuous exposure to it, maybe, but I mean, it is radiation, hence the name radar. No, I was worried more about bright light in your eyes, you know. Oh, like well, a, I, I just even, got a new flashlight that, that if I shine it in your eyes, you're not going to be able to see for about 20 minutes. I have one of those too, Let's take a so quick that, break. Then they replace those things with these bubble cars. I don't know how to describe it. They look like a giant egg, right? Standing on end. They and and they only would only could go up to twenty five miles an hour. So they were getting in trouble because they were putting that. You know, Google Maps would give them a direction. They'd go down on the expressway, which has a forty thirty five or forty five mile an hour speed limit, and this little bubble is doing twenty five miles an hour. And the, the local cops told them can't do that, <laughs> but. So if a cop wants to pull over a self-driving car, does the car know? Probably. I mean, if it has 360-degree cameras, which we know they do, uh, they can be programmed to recognize the uh, lights of a cop car. And then what? <laughs> pull over. I mean... I just No, no. So it pulls over and the cop walks up to the car. <laughs> then what? You know, if the car is going too slow and the cop wants to give it a ticket, who gets the ticket? If, hmm. you're, drive, if you're riding in it, do you get the ticket? No, they, it would have to be the company that owns a vehicle. Yeah, so they're going to have to rework that. Right? Yeah, I just think that's there's what a I just lot of changes in the laws coming. That's for sure, for, especially for self-driving cars. Yeah, that, I know Tesla has said, and I think BMW and and Mercedes, a couple companies said that they're auto-driving cars. That if they get into an accident, the company will take responsibility. Yeah, they say so that now, but huh? They say that now, but we'll see when it actually happens. Yeah, we'll see. And, well, as more and more become self-driving, if they truly communicate with each other, which that's the big goal, then you'll have less and less accidents because everybody, you know, it's not some random guy who decides they're not stopping for the yellow light that's turning red or changing lanes because they think they can fit. You know, the cars will talk to each other and act responsible. But, you know, there'll be someone who switches into manual and drives too fast because they're tired of waiting. And that's the accident that'll happen. So We'll see. Let's take our quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Mark Chappell of the Essential Mac and the Rampant Mumblings podcast. And this is Carl Madden of the Mac and Forth Show podcast. You know what, Carl? No, nope, never met him. But it's funny how many people ask. No, no, no. I mean, you know what we should do? Get better riders? Well, that goes without saying no. I think we should merge. Excuse me? Rampant Mumblings, Essential Mac, Mac and Forth should merge. Sounds messy. No, no, no. It'll be good. We can still have all the incisive news, views, and opinions of Rampant Mumblings and Essential Mac, along with... 
well, whatever Mac and Forth has to offer. Hmm. And what should we call this new monster? Uh, I mean, venture. Well, it's still essentially an Apple-related show, so why not... How do you like those apples? Catchy, but does it essentially sum up what an Apple show should be about? All right, how about get your apples here, an apple a day, chatty apple, happy pie, oh, oh, just apple. No, we essentially need something that is more apple related. Monkey tennis. Huh? No, no, no. We just need something essentially apple that lets people know we will essentially be discussing apple related things. You knuckleheads. Just call your new podcast the Essential Apple Podcast for when people have essentially run out of good podcasts to listen to. Should have gone with monkey tennis. Back here on the Tech Fan Podcast number 257, I just got a friend request, chat request on Skype. I don't think it's a real person. I think it's spam. It's from Doodles Wench. We're running out of names. Doodles Wench. Yeah, I'm not going to accept that one. (laughs) I need need another life. So, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. So this episode of Tech Fan is sponsored by MacSales.com. And usually Owen will pick a product and talk about it here for a few minutes. But this time, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to incorporate our sponsor into a little bit of content here. Okay. So over on the blog site at MacSales.com, it's called The Rocket Yard. They have a really good article that went live uh, on May 31st called A Rocket Yard Guide, Six Easy Do-It-Yourself Ways to Speed Up Your Mac. I think this is kind of important because some of this ties into what we're talking about. Yeah. But number one... It's a good article. I was reading it while we were on the break. Number one is clean up your hard drive. This is actually pretty important. I'm amazed at how much junk can start to accumulate on your drive, Owen. It's just, I mean, yeah. even when you download something and then throw it away, (laughs) there's preference files, there's libraries, there's all kinds of stuff that could still be sitting in that hard drive. And another thing that seems to take up a lot of space that no one ever thinks about is if you're using your Mac to upgrade your iOS device... It's downloading a new entire iOS to your hard drive, which could be a gigabyte and a half, two gigabytes. But it's leaving the old backups there, and you could have multiple backups. So if you just go through your Mac and get rid of the junk, it's amazing how much faster your Mac can be with more space to work in. Because once your machine gets a certain percent full, it's just going to come to a crawl. It really is. Yeah, well, and especially if you don't have enough memory and you have a lot of things open because it's based on a Unix environment and it swaps things on and off the disk to free memory up. Well, it's always done that. If your hard drive is Classic Mac did that. Huh? Classic Mac did that too. Classic Mac did that too, right. And if you're running out of disk space or your disk is kind of slow, that takes time. Yep. Uh, so remember that point because I want to come back to it. I'm, I'm going to plug a piece of software when we come back from this. Got it. Uh, number two on the MacSales.com uh, article here is only upgrade your OS when necessary. Hmm. Seems like we were just talking about this, Owen. <laughs> I am a. I am. I'm kind of a hypocrite here because I'll say I'm a firm believer in only upgrading when you really need to. But when it comes to the Mac and iOS, I seem to upgrade within the week of them coming out. I do it on the Mac. I don't do it on the iOS. I, huh? I've been I've been burned on I've been burned on my iPhone four. I was burned on, as I said earlier, my iPad three. I I, I just wor- so Apple has a responsibility, in my opinion, to not let you upgrade on a machine where the where it should it's not going to work. They wait a little too long, in my opinion, to do that. I agree. Uh, so, so this is a good thing. Don't upgrade if it's not absolutely, you know, if it's a, if read what it says in the notes, you know, read the release notes, if it's a security fix or something like that, I would suggest it. But if it's just, here's a new feature that you don't need, let it go. Yeah. And you know, remember as these operating systems become more complex and, and more capable of doing more things, that takes up more space that takes up more processing power and it takes up more Ram and if you're already low on RAM, um, maybe you don't need this OS because it will slow your machine down. Yep. Another big one, and I just had to fix something like this myself, uh, streamline your startup. 
Now, if you go into system preferences, user and groups, and then login items, you might be surprised by how many things actually launch on your Mac at startup. And I don't necessarily mean apps that's very obvious when they launch. Um, if you have multiple apps <coughs> launching on your startup, it's it's going to take longer for your Mac to boot. In fact, those apps may launch longer. It may take longer for those apps to launch if they're not launching at startup simply because it's launching those items, but there's other processes the computer is doing at the same time during that boot up process that's going to slow them down from launching. So unless you absolutely positively need something to start up every single time you reboot your Mac, might want to consider turning that off. Well, and let's add to this. Remember now that Macs, when you shut them down and restart them, they try to go back to where they were when you last had it on. Sort of like the Windows thing I was talking about earlier. Um, so it, if you've got things that are set to startup and you reboot thinking that's going to just help you, no, it's not because they're going to come back again. Uh, so you may find these things that, that Tim was just talking about, they launch things that run in the background. Yep. And they keep running. So they are using processing power. Um, it's amazing how much stuff runs in the background. Uh, on my old MacBook, it was like I was. I kept seeing fifty percent CPU utilization, and I had all sorts of things running in the background that I had installed and tried, and didn't realize they were still there. And also remember, on a Mac, the default is if you just go to restart, it says, "Do you want to relaunch all the applications after the restart?" Right. That's that's, what that's I'm defaulted, right? So turn those off so all those apps don't launch the next time you reboot. Uh, and then they have some do-it-yourself speed boosting upgrades. Number one, and depending on your machine, I agree with this a hundred percent. Add more memory. Yeah. RAM is so important. We, you don't hear about it anymore the way that we used to hear about it ten, fifteen years ago. Owen, I mean that was the big thing. Hey, my Mac's getting slow. Well, you need more RAM. That was RAM. that was always always. Remember always. how expensive it was? Oh my God, it was crazy. This is why people didn't do it. Memory today is not so expensive. You know, I had a uh, Performa 410 that I talked about just recently that it's the one. I think I was talking to you about it. It's the one that I started my Mac on. Right. It's in my shed. Well, I think that came with one one megabyte of RAM or something. I, I forget. Maybe it was a different machine. But I remember whatever I machine when, it was. A two meg was a, was a default for a long time yeah. on a number of machines, which seemed like a lot of memory at the time. But it had two one megabyte chips in it then, and yeah, I, I wanted right. I wanted four megabytes, so I bought two two megabyte chips. And that machine technically you could do that with. Well, I ordered the wrong thing. It took me a week before I was able to sit down and do this upgrade. Realized I had the wrong RAM, and I had spent over six hundred bucks or something for it. Oh, wanted to switch it out for the correct RAM, but the company wouldn't do it because <laughs> oh, RAM was so expensive back in the day they had a no return policy there was a second well they're also afraid people were going to buy it and send something else back Mm, mm -hmm. but i told you now you can buy a 16 on mac sales a 16 gigabyte kit that's eight gigabytes times two for macbook pro for under a hundred dollars that's crazy if if you're sitting at the base configuration for a low-end or a mid-range mac buy more ram for it you're gonna see an improvement you just are an eight gigabyte kit is forty eight dollars, forty nine dollars. That's just, I mean, I look at that and go, that used to cost three, four hundred dollars. It is my, it is one of my pet peeves with Apple is they charge way too much money for memory. Oh days. yeah, absolutely. That you know, that's that's why people go to MacSales.com when they're going to upgrade their, because you're going to get twice the RAM for half the price. I mean, and, and I, and as I said before, I, I sent a friend of mine who was scared to death of their computer to this site. And I'm not just plugging it because they're your sponsor. I really believe this. And I said, no, no, just go to the site and order the memory. And the guy called me back like four days after the memory. He goes, that was so damn easy. You know, he was like jazz. And his, his machine, which he was ready to throw away, was felt like new to him. Yep. Because it turns out he had like two gigabytes of memory in a MacBook. <laughs> uh, the number two thing they have on here to on their do-it-yourself speed boosting upgrades is upgrade to a solid-state drive. If oh, you're yeah. still on a Mac and you don't have an SSD, you just you just don't know. I mean, <laughs> the the difference in performance on any machine between a standard conventional hard drive and an SSD is astounding. 
Now, I was doing, uh, the first time I did OWC Radio, back in 2009 and 10, I went up there to do, a, and this is right when SSDs were starting to become a thing, right? Okay. And I went up there to do a speed test video. And oh. I was working with the marketing manager at the time, Grant. And we had we took the, uh, the same machine with a standard hard drive. It, it was a clean install from Apple. And we installed, I think it was uh, Adobe Photoshop something, yeah. uh, the whole package. So it was Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign. And we set the Mac to automatically launch those all at startup. So we shut the machine down, booted it, and it launched all those apps. And I think it was like two and a half minutes before, maybe two minutes before everything was actually running and, and you're ready to go. You can actually work. Then we swapped That's the hard fast. drive. That, yeah. <laughs> then we swapped the hard drive with an SSD, did exactly the same install, same test, and it was like 35, 40 seconds. I mean, it. I became a believer right then. I was just oh, yeah. like, holy crap. I mean, I knew intuitively it would be faster, but until you actually see it in person, it'll blow your mind. Now, if you're on a Mac and you've never had an SSD, but you can get an SSD for your Mac, absolutely do it. It will blow your mind. And then the site will tell you if you can upgrade your Mac or not. They let you know how it does it. I mean, this prices have dropped as well. It used to be about a terabyte drive was in the in the low 500s, and I just see now that the drive is 334. Yeah, I mean that's about that's a little lower than I paid for mine, and I thought I got a great deal when I bought mine. So, and look, um, and if you if you are already, and number three for them is more internal drive capacity. If you're right. already on an SSD and it just doesn't seem as fast, it might be because that SSD is getting really full. Uh, consider swapping that SSD to one with a higher capacity, and you'll get a lot more speed out of that as well. This is a, a warning on SSDs, though. If it's getting really full, you increase your odds as it gets super full of it finally failing. But that's the, um, even then, though, it's still a, a, a they, much higher percentage of not happening than a standard yeah, yeah, hard no, drive. No, I'm not trying to scare people. Please back up your Macs, though. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things they offer, which I think is very cool, is for like another 10 or $15, they send you a drive enclosure that you take your old drive out and put it in the drive enclosure and put the new drive into the machine, and now you have that old drive, and you could use that as a backup, or just as, since it's already got your operating system on it, as a, as a safety... An emergency boost, boot drive. Boot drive. Yeah. And it's like, it's 334 without it, it's 349 with yeah, it. Yeah, get you know, it. It's, it's like, and it comes with all the tools as well. Yeah. So the kit is kind of cool, and that's what I did. I, um, when I did mine, I was like, okay, well, how do I do this? Well... Um, I put the external drive. I put the internal drive in the external case. Put the new drive in because now I can't boot it from the new drive. But I could boot it from the external drive. So I booted it from there, and then I did an install, like a new system. And it said, "Do you want to transfer this from your old Mac?" Yes. Put it, the drive was already plugged in. Yep. It just copied it all over, and bang! I was up and running in you know an hour or so. One thing that they don't have in here that we talked about earlier. That I, if I was writing this, I definitely would have put this in here to speed up your Mac. Let's say you've got an SSD, you've got plenty of hard drive space, you're maxed out at RAM, and it still seems a little sluggish. Do a clean install of the operating system. It won't touch your personal data. That's one of the things that Apple. As long introduced. as you don't tell it to, just make sure you don't say initialize the drive. Right. You don't. You don't want to do a nuke and pave. You don't want to wipe the whole drive. You just want to reinstall the operating system. You will see a. a most of the time, you'll see a nice performance boost, and it will probably get rid of some of the little niggly problems that you've had over the years. So okay, we want so to... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, we want to thank our sponsor, uh, MacSales.com. And what a great article. I will put a link directly to this article in the show notes for episode number 257 of TechFan. Of course, you can find those show notes at TechFanPodcast.com. Uh, and mymac.com. So check it out, uh, follow the link, and follow their advice because it's some really good advice there. Uh, if you want to contact TechFan, real easy to do. You can find us on Twitter. It's at TechFanPodcast. Or leave a message on either one of those sites, TechFanPodcast.com or mymac.com, and we'll read your comments here. You can also email us, the show at TechFanPodcast.com. 
I just realized I had another uh, feedback that I wanted to put in that had to do with you, Owen. So I got to launch my email. Okay, before you do that, I, and then uh, I want to talk. I, I'm going to plug a piece of software that's not a sponsor. Go for it. So I've, I've never been a fan of these things that say, "Oh, you know, clean your Mac, clean your PC." But um, there's a company called MacPaw, M-A-C-P-A-W, and they make a product called Clean My Mac, and it's at version three. And okay, I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure." So I ended up buying it. It was there's a free download you can take that will show you what it's going to do, but it won't actually do it. So I downloaded it, and it, it it basically looks at all these things on your Mac, startup items, leftover uh, uh, log files. It just I was able to recover, you know, duplicates of your photos that you don't realize you have that have messed up, uh, cleans up iTunes. This is a, actually a cool piece of software, and I they have a clean my PC version as well, which is how I first found it. I ran it on a PC that was running incredibly sluggish. Um, I ran it through all the cleanup. It deleted tons of stuff I no longer needed. It fixed the registry. It, and this machine runs, doesn't crash anymore. It's amazing how clean it was. So I bought the Mac version, and it really made a difference. I got back like like 22 gigabytes of space. Crazy. Things that were just taking up space in the background that I didn't need. And it also lets helps you with startup. It monitors the health. It tests the system. It's not... Super cheap as software goes. I think it's thirty nine dollars for a license or fifty nine for a pair of licenses. Um, but I I recommend this. I I've used it. I paid for it. I bought it myself, uh, and it I, it surprised me how good it worked. So yep. that's also a way to speed up your machine. So um, let's go back a little bit to our feedback. We've got uh, three things. Sorry. Yeah, don't do that. That's really annoying to people. <laughs> so Scott from Twitter wrote, uh, I really enjoyed the arcade retro gaming setup talk. You could do a whole episode walking people through it, and I would find it fascinating. Not sure about the rest of your listeners. <laughs> uh, I think part of the appeal is the games themselves. Part of it is creating the cool little devices to play them. Part of it is nostalgia for when gaming didn't mean a huge, ugly social war a la Gamergate. Great topic. <laughs> um, I could do a lot of shows on arcades. Uh, I could, it's, too. <laughs> it's obviously a passion of mine. Owen is, you know, one of the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I said Owen, so that sound always happens. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really annoying when you're in person and it happens. It's kind of weird. You look around. Um, <laughs> that's scared. That's actually scared me. That was very funny. Um, Owen is, you know, a, a game designer himself. I mean, he's a uh, an all star Atari veteran. I mean, he, he, if you look up Owen Rubin and Atari, you're going to find podcasts that he's done where, you know, people are just. It, it's fascinating to me your your background, and the funny thing is, honestly, Owen is. I got into arcades. In spite of the fact that I knew somebody who actually made these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were doing a lot. I mean, that's one of the reasons when we first started talking, I, I was really enjoying talking to you a whole bunch of times because it was like you were really into arcade games. I thought that was a lot of fun. Well, I was, was into... accidental. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you and I got together because of the Mac. As a Mac. Yeah, we right. talked about that last time. But. Yeah, but, you know, you have this history in arcade games. I came into it, obviously, late. Look, when I was a kid, there was no way I could have ever even dreamed of having an arcade machine. You know, that was Ricky Schroeder on that TV show in the 80s, a rich kid show. I can't remember what it was called. Silver Spoons? Silver Spoons, maybe. Yeah, and he had arcade games in his house, and I'm like, oh, my God, you'd have to be a trillionaire to actually own an arcade yeah, game. Yeah, I remember that. I thought that was so cool. It was like, <laughs> And here I am. I'm, you know... It's 2016, and I have three arcade games that are full-size arcade games, and I have a bunch of little mini ones. I can play any arcade game that was ever made on a handheld at this point, right? But still, the, I, I just think Scott's 100% right. It's the nostalgia. But to me, it's not just that I can go buy an arcade machine, restore it, and stick it in a room. I like to do things with these things. I like to... I, I just I just like the technology. It's fun. I like all your lit buttons. I... So I'm putting together a main cabinet now, and I and I'm, I have to go change all my buttons now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm of two minds. I, I I have my Neo Geo with the light up buttons, and it's cool, but they're kind of loud. They are loud. Whereas my Gold Leaf Switch buttons 
I'm pushing one, and you can hear it's not loud at all, and I'm pushing it kind of hard. They're gold leaf switch buttons that you they just don't make hardly any noise when you push them. And they're a lot more accurate. So well, they also last longer if they're built if they're they based will. on the original. Remember, as an arcade designer, we had to we had to have buttons that would last forever in in environments. They that, had to take know, a v- abuse. I mean, they're in bars and bowling alleys, spilling beers and, and coffee, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, you, arcade game design, especially from the mechanical point and the the uh, physical point, was you know home specs, military specs, arcade specs. You know, they had to survive. An environment that nothing. That's why laserdisc games didn't really work well. Right. Arcade. It's also why they, you guys put arcane boards on the side of an arcade cabinet rather than sitting on the bottom <laughs> where things could spill. Did, and did burn us once, and I mean literally burn us. It. Um, the, I think I said this once before. There was a little chip in there that's the audio amplifier, and it got very very hot, and it had a heat sink on it. And the, the first board they stood up on the side, the heat sink got the chip got so hot the glue melted on the heat sink and the heat sink fell off and the chip caught fire <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> so uh, that's heat sinks that clip to the chip um <coughs> but yeah you stand them on the side so that if if water gets in the bottom it doesn't soak the bottom of the board donnie on twitter also sent in uh i was a i was at a dave and busters this weekend and the newest game was a crossy road arcade cool because and i think he he mentions this because I was talking I would love to have uh have you played Pac-Man 256? I don't believe so. It is my favorite Pac-Man game outside of Miss Pac-Man. Okay. And when I say Miss Pac-Man I actually mean Miss Pac-Man with a speed up chip. Um it is a there's fantastic spe- game. A speed up chip? Yeah, you know the the speed up chip that they used to put in the Miss Pac-Man so Miss Pac-Man would move at about three times the speed. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yes. I, I have a Miss Pac-Man board. I actually have a, a real board that's in my Dig Dug art cabinet. You can uh, you could uh, put a Miss Pac-Man speed chip hack on there, and she's a lot faster. It's the only huh. way I can play Miss Pac-Man. I can't do it at the normal speed. It's just, it's so slow. <laughs> it's it's brutal. And it's um, still a difficult game. It is. It's still a difficult, <laughs> no question. Um, although I'm Does at the point. Does it speed up the ghosts, too? Uh, I think a little bit. I think everything is just faster. Okay. Uh, I, I'll do a FaceTime with you sometime and show it to you. But okay, if I'm playing regular Pac- Miss Pac-Man, I can get to maybe 10 levels. With a speed-up chip, I can roll a game so I'm just, I get to the point where I'm getting random levels, whenever, whatever, which one it wants to throw at me next. Um, hmm. Pac-Man 256 is, you've played Crossy Roads. Yes. Okay. So Frogger, Frogger, it's a Frogger-like game. Right? Well, no, because there's no end. It's it's an endless runner, but it's just one. It it's not even an endless runner. You go once, you can move forward or back, but you've got to continuously move forward because if you don't, and cross your roads, an eagle will swoop down and kill you. That's right. And you're a chicken, right? Right. Well, yeah. well, the nice thing about cross your roads, and I think one of the reasons it became popular, is because you can unlock new characters, so you're not a chicken. That's right. Okay, and I so, it's very blocky looking. Yes, I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to go look at it. So, Crossy, oh, I the, okay, I see it. The Crossy Roads company, the company that made them, also made Pac-Man Two Five Six. Okay, and it's basically the same mechanics, except it's Pac-Man. So you're in a maze, and there's ghosts, and you have to continuously move forward. But you unlock powers for Pac-Man. So, like one of them, he trails fire. So if the ghost hits the fire, or you while you're on fire, they die. Uh, another one, a new one that just came out with recently was electric. So you're, you've got this electricity around you and it actually shoots off and hits the ghosts and it lasts a a set, a number of time. It has a 3d look at times. It does, but there's also a a different boards that you can buy. You can actually make it look like crossy roads, but it's Uh, (laughs) Pac-Man. I like the one that's classic eighties Pac-Man. So it kind of looks like a classic eighties arcade. Um, I think Pac-Man 256 is one of the best games that I've ever played when it comes to Pac-Man. I, I just free, love it. It's free on the Google Play Store? Yeah, oh, it's it's a free app, but there's in-app purchases that you never ah, have to okay. buy. Okay. But the one that I did buy gives you a continue. So if you die, you could continue going one time. Outrun the glitch. That looks like fun, too. So the reason it's called Pac-Man 256 is <clears throat> if you know your video game history... <clears throat> If you get to uh, 256th level of Pac-Man, that's where the glitch in the software comes and you can't play anymore. So it was always a big deal if you can get 256 levels in Pac-Man because that's where it ends. 
and the whole screen kind of glitches out and you you just can't play anymore. So Pac-Man 256 is the glitch is coming from the bottom of the screen continuously and you got to continuously go forward to outrun it. Fantastic uh, I game. See. I would I see it says outrun the glitch. I'm right. looking at it. Yeah, so 256 for those who don't speak computer is all bits on in an 8-bit uh, element, which is what the machines used in those days. So after after all the bits, the 256, it wraps around. It's actually 255, but they count, start counting at zero, so it's 256 numbers. Um, and then after that, you're pointing off into the weeds if the right. programmer didn't expect you to ever get that far. And that's what happens in Pac-Man, the original Pac-Man. So they took that concept and they made this game. It's kind of a cross between Pac-Man and Crossy Roads, and I think it's one of my all-time favorite Pac-Man games. And it's on every iOS and Android device I have. I love it. No matter where I'm at, I even have it on my uh, my uh, Kindle or my not my Kindle, my uh, Amazon Fire TV, and I can play with it with the remote. <laughs> but what and I've which, always which is the one you bought, the one that outruns the glitch, right? Yeah. So what I would love is to see an actual arcade of Pac-Man 256. I would love that. That would be awesome. Mm. So Donnie's saying that he can't, and I, and I said that on the episode that he was referring to, which was actually two episodes ago. And uh, so he saw Crossy Road Arcade. I think that's really cool. Thanks for Donnie. I'm going to have to take, I definitely want to see that in person. Um, last bit of feedback before we wrap up this episode, Owen, concerns you. Uh-oh. Uh, regular con- <laughs> regular contributor to comments in uh, email, Brendan Rowland wrote, Owen said he swapped out in hard drive in an old SE Mac. Back in those days, Macs had SCSI drives. What did he use as a replacement? I believe it is still possible to obtain SCSI drives, but these always uh, carry a heavy cost penalty and maybe more so nowadays, which uh, I don't know. The industry regarded S, uh, SCSI as a server level rather than a consumer level IDE drives uh, with re- prices that reflect that distinction. So his oh, question yeah. is, what did you replace it with? Another SCSI drive? Another SCSI. So I think I said earlier in that show that there's a stack of drives that I've been trying to go through and clean up and get rid of sitting on my desk. And I have a stack. I have trouble throwing things away. I really do. Um, and they collect. So I have this stack, big stack, and it's getting smaller now, of old hard drives, of which about half of them were SCSI. And I think the biggest one I had was this 400-gig SCSI drive that I had gotten when I think it was at Pac Bell. It was the biggest one I think I'd ever bought. And 400 uh, megabyte, was, not gigabyte. 400 megabyte, sorry. Yeah. Did I say gigabyte? Yeah. 400 megabyte, sorry. And that's what I stuck into the... Yeah, you're right. And that's what I put into... Um, into the the SE it was an old an a leftover old drive that still booted. There was hardly ever a, a Mac SE that saw four hundred megabyte drives. <laughs> yeah, it's just the one I had. So it, it was a it's a full size, a three point five inch or the five inch, right? Sorry, what are, how big are the big ones? The big ones. Oh, uh, the big ones are I, were they three and a half? I want to say they're three no, and a half. Three but, and a half is the little ones. Five these whatever they are. It's the big size one. The, yeah, that's three and a half, and the small drives are two and a half. Two, okay. Still, that looks bigger. You're thinking of floppies, I think. How big is this drive? It is five and a half inches long. Sorry, it's the five and a half inch long full size hard drives. Gotcha. Okay, um, and it that's what was in there already. I think there was a twenty megabyte one in there because uh, I had it's an it was an, it's an S, it's a Mac SE and it had died before and I had an SE twenty and it t- came out of there and so it's it's had a number of drives but it was a extra SCSI drive I had. Uh, strangely, a place to find them sometimes is in old, um, you know, uh, secondhand stores. Yep. A lot of times you can find an old computer in there, uh, old Mac computer in there. The Mac doesn't really work, and they'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. But inside, you can find memory chips and um, hard drives. So there you go. I uh, hope that answered your question, Brendan. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Again, we want to send out our. Uh positive vibes and we ask our listeners to do the same thing to david and his family for what's going on there Uh, i have obviously been uh, vague about what's going on just that it's a it's a medical thing and it involves his family Uh, i'll uh, you know that's up to david if he wants to talk about that sometime in the future um but obviously our hearts go out to him and uh, we hope for a, a, a good outcome hopefully he'll be back next week because i will be out of town 
so I can't, I can't well, join. Well, if he if he can't be here, then I'll uh, either find another co-host or I'll just do a solo show. It's been a long time since I've done a solo show. That'd be weird. I can do I can do a show with you from Vietnam. We'll see what time is it there now. It's uh, well, that's where the guy who made Crossy Road is from. So maybe you just go find him. I go find him. And we yeah. get on there. It's what it's like a ten thirty. It's fourteen hours. Uh, I, I, we'll make it work. <laughs> I've never done a podcast from, from a foreign country before. So. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> That'd be fun. I've had a lot of for- foreigners. There's a lot of them foreigners here on the show. Foreigners. Yes. Foreigners. Uh, but with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Again, we'd love feedback from you, the show at techfanpodcast.com. Leave a comment on the website or Twitter or Facebook. We'll see it. We'll read it here, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.